0: December 23rd, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pevav Amudbet. If you count up from the wide lines, nine lines up, we're finishing this conversation of kidnapping, of genevat nefesh, of mekhirat nefesh. The last discussion, briefly in the Gemara, begins the second word on the line. Amara v'aseh, ideh mekhira benefesh circumstance situation where there were witnesses specifically and only on Mihira, they saw a person selling another, but in turn their claim as they stated it in, in court in Beit Din was Huzam, they're found to be false witnesses. What's the halakha with regards to these witnesses? Again that's the second stage in the two stages of kidnapping, you kidnap and then sell, these witnesses are coming on the second stage. What's the halakha? in Nehiragin? Statement of Ravah says they don't get killed. Why don't they get killed? Shouldn't they? Wasn't that part of what they were seeking to do? The Torah says you have to do exact the punishment upon the conspiring witnesses as they planned on doing. Says the Gemara. Says Ravah. said, the reason is mitochshi Avadi because after all, the person that they're testifying about, we call him the Nidon, the person who's in court and uh, is the uh, issue of of our concern. Uh, he could claim, well, this witness, these witnesses are are claiming what's true, but you should know the individual that I sold, he was my slave. Amarav Yosef says, Rav Yosef, in explaining that halacha again, since the person they're testifying about could claim, well, I wasn't involved in a kidnapping at all. In turn, those witnesses as well could claim, we weren't knowingly testifying about a kidnapping case. We thought we were testifying about a purchase and transaction situation. As a result, that which we conspired to do, that wasn't our conspiracy. We weren't trying to do. To as we mentioned, what? What of a purchase, know? of a sale. Hike, <coughs> uh, you know, that's that's how it happened. They saw something. How they weren't. They see- say, uh, sold you could maybe someone uh, maybe someone asked. Someone said, "Did you see that sale?" You know, it was a little fishy. Oh yeah, I saw that sale. I'm willing to testify about it. Not crazy to have a deriya. Yeah, we do have witnesses. We do have such a concept, especially when you don't have a document in which witnesses could and will claim in Beit as to what they saw. Uh, you know, and, and you have witnesses for it all day long. That's right. Yeah. Without shtar, it's you're doing it based on uh, eidut, And if you're not, you're in trouble. So we're hoping their testimony, the witnesses. Says Kimara Says uh, Rav Yosef in reacting to that initial statement that we just mentioned of Ravase, Ravase says that says, Shehuzamu Whose opinion would that be following, says Rav Yosef? Now he is going to tap into a mahlok, and we discussed the past two days very briefly a mahlok between Biakiva and Hachamin. The mahluk, about whether we say davar velo hasidavar or davar veafilu hasidavar, which means to say, as the testimony is being brought forth, being uttered in betin, does it need to be, so to speak, a full-fledged testimony, meaning it's touching all the points of what will be a uh, determination by the betin, or can you have testimony on partial aspects of this case? That's the best way to translate those words. In the broadest sense, says Rav Yosef, you know Rav Asse, he must be assuming Kirbi Akiva. He must be following the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. After all, these Ede Mechira, these witnesses just on the sale, they're not testifying about the full case. They're not dealing with the full matter at hand for which there would be punishment of death penalty. After all, then they'd need to be testifying both about the kidnapping and the sale. That must be the, the opinion of Ravase. It's not a terrible opinion to follow Rubi Akiva, but it is against what seems to be the majority opinion. Hachamim who disagree with Ravi Akiva and say, Is Ravase really? just following the opinion of B'akiva? Amar le'abaye, says abaye back to Rav Yosef, maybe he didn't fully understand this, maybe I didn't fully understand this. Di'i ker'abana neheragin? Are you suggesting that Ravaseh's statement, that edem mechira shehuzamu, ena neheragin, would only qualify the opinion, would only check out according to the Bi'akiva? according to the hachamim who say, davar va'afilu hazi davar, ve'edem the witnesses just on the sale would not get killed, (laughs) wasn't the rationale of Ravaseh spelled out explicitly? He told us why he says, the witnesses on the sale are not killed. He says because the person they're testifying against could claim I was just selling my slave. As a result, they could make the claim we didn't realize we were testifying about a kidnapping situation. That's irrespective of whether ultimately speaking, we're trying to get into the mind, into the brain, into the mindset of those witnesses. What were they thinking? Uh, If we can make the claim that they were thinking we're not going to kill them, we're just testifying. As strange as it sounds to Nathan about a situation where there's a sale, well, we're not going to put them to death. Whether it's Rabbi Akiva or even Hachamim Ela, rather suggests Abaye Te Marabanan. Even according to the opinion Davar still over here Ede Mechira would not get killed. Ubedelo atu Ede and the situation must be that the witnesses for the kidnapping never arrived, which means to say the testimony now is only about the sale and even the Hachamim would agree in other words Hakamim would disagree with Rabbi Akiba. such a situation you won't punish them with death penalty I'm talking about the witnesses for Mechira why not? because they can claim much as he can claim this was not a kidnapping case at all. We didn't know it was. says the Gemara and then what's the Hidush? In other words, of course. If I walk into court and I testify, I saw a sale. I walk out of the court. No witnesses came at any point for the sale. You didn't tell me, but if we figured out it was a kidnapping, I'm going to get put to death? That's, a, that's, that's preposterous. That says the Gemara So Maybe the case is as follows. This is what Ravase was talking about. Eideh Mechira walk in. We saw the sale. We saw Reuven selling this individual. We don't know what it was. We thought we were just testifying. We think we're just testifying potentially about a sale. There was no witnesses who had arrived yet with regards to a kidnapping of this individual. A day goes by, a few hours go by, whatever the situation is, and now witnesses walk in and they say that man stole that person about whom they were testifying earlier. Are we now going to penalize the initial set of witnesses and say, well, they were testifying about a kidnapping situation? So the answer is no, they're not, because when they walked into court, they can easily claim we didn't know it was a kidnapping. The witnesses hadn't come. No, but even though the witnesses came later on, we don't retroactively uh, adjust the situation and say, well, their their intention wasn't that way. They certainly are falsely testifying. But we can't prove that their mindset was to put them to death. And that being the case, we can't kill them. That's what we're dealing with. But they didn't say that, that it was that's right. But, but Jeffrey just points out: don't forget, they were falsely testifying. It wasn't a It wasn't a mechirah. Was they but were found they they to be it. That's the case. Question. Question. No, no, no. They know it wasn't. That's all false. <laughs> They're false. They're going to be punished. We just can't put them to death. We can't prove that their intention, even though very well may be, we can't prove beyond letter of the, uh, beyond any uh, doubt that they certainly had that intention because you didn't have A uh, G'neva yet. So that's the Gemara. Still, the Akati means still, there's still no real Hidush over here. Of Rav yeah, The Gemara still believes That's a simple situation If the witnesses walked into court Yes, falsely testifying Yes, caught on false testimony Their claim was there was a sale At that moment there was not yet Witnesses for me- Geneva. Uh, you're not going to put him to death. Of course you're not going to put him to death. You can't say about their testimony without, beyond any doubt, uh, that, that their intention was to get this man killed. It says the Gemara, I'll make it better for you and I'll tell you the miltahu kama shma'lan. The case perhaps is, we can extend it and suggest further, it goes like this. The so witnesses walk into court and they testify about mechira. They testify falsely. Again, it's ultimately found to be false testimony. We saw this man selling that man on Saturday night. Um, they walk out of court, but as they walk out of court, we see the next set of witnesses walking in. And they're making signs to each other. Rimiza, they're making rimmazim one to the other. Maybe they're whispering, maybe they're motioning something, whatever. We don't know what they're motioning, but they're motioning something. Oh, that catches our eye. We can and perhaps should at this point say, oh, well, let's link them to the next testimony. No, 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 but the next testimony of the kidnapping itself hadn't been in place when this first set of witnesses had testified in court. Oh, but look at the remazim, look at the signs they were giving to one another. They must have been connected one to the other. Perhaps you would have said, remiza, the motioning, the signs one to the other. Is milta, is significant to the extent that we'll put them to death and assume that that was a conspiracy in their minds from the very beginning is pretty significant it might not have that much to do per se with kidnapping and sale but it has to do with how we determine what we can use as our prosecution of these witnesses is Rimmazim significant the answer is we can't read into the Rimmazim. Why not? I mean, what's, what's, uh, that's not hard to figure out. Uh, maybe they were motioning that I hope you, let's get lunch afterwards. Maybe they were motioning, I hope you're doing all right. Who knows what they're motioning? You're going to assume, it's a good assumption, I'll give you a high percentage uh, count, that uh, the fact that they were call, caught conspiring, the second said, and we know, uh, but we can't prove that. And as a result, you can't do, you can't kill. Yes, Rob? Say you have the more It's guaranteed. The point over here is this is not considered collusion. This is not text messages. hear, you got Okay, great. You know, That's right. You kind of see that, but you don't hear it. You heard it, of course. That's not rimazim. That, that is clear. They're linked up with one another and in such a situation, even though it comes afterwards, no question. Who's assuming that they... That they, the first one, that they, You have a second set of witnesses. You have two sets of witnesses. Okay, but you, so you're saying they were going out of court with somebody else and coming And the motion? two witnesses... What if nobody then, then there's no Hidush. Then it's clear, the Gemara is saying, uh, we never would have had a question. Of course you're not putting them to death. But who's assuming? There's Deen? one judge from saw somebody motioning? Yes, has to be. Uh, maybe you have witnesses in Betty and whatever. that's a good question. If it's seen by the judges, you don't need so. Maybe you have two witnesses in court or something of that sort. not, not fully clear. but the point is ultimately speaking it doesn't matter because you can have all the witnesses on this sign, in, sign language is not enough. Collusion in a real sense, as explains Rabia's speech, uh, action you see them right. says the next machine. Yeah. Nope, what, they're gonna to have to pay the money that they tried to obligate. In other words, if I make the claim that uh, you sold this person as a slave, but it's not really so, I'm gonna be trying to make you lose money. Whoever I'm trying to make lose money, I'm gonna to have to pay that. Yeah, just money, financial. And if the second set of witnesses knew they would testify in kidnapping and testimony. So then we go back to the machlok and they came after Edeh Geneva. So then that's the machlok between Bi'akivan chachamim davar Hasi chassid davar even davar v'afim. Has to be 23. You're dealing with Dineh Nefashot. Right, not dealing with. Yeah, has to be. All right, says the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah will deal with the next case in our initial Mishnah in this Padek of Henik. It was the case of Zaken Mamre, which the Torah describes in Devarim Perek Zain. Zaken Mamre, we'll quickly find out, but I'll briefly tell you beforehand, is the following situation. You have an individual, we'll understand what type of individual, why is he known as the Zaken, we'll understand in a few moments why, but anyway, you have an individual who um, is disagreeing, has disagreed with his local court. So his local court had made a decree, made a determination about something in Halakha, the Gemara will determine and discuss what sort of issues in Halakha we're talking about, but he disagrees with them. As a result, the local court of his city, of his province, of his borough, whatever it is, goes together with him to Yerushalayim, to Har Habayt, and they then go through three courts, one and then another, and then the final court, the Beit Din HaGadol, that of 71, who reside in um, Lishkat HaGazid. That's where they convene, which is in the Azara half, in the Azara and the Mikdash so he got to call it the Supreme Court he still disagrees but not only does he disagree he comes back to his city and he tells people act based on my word and not based on the word of anyone else in such a situation the Torah tells us you put him to death the stem the regular situation of death in the Torah without explaining or using specific verbiage is henek. this individual gets put to death with henek, strangulated so that's what we're going to be dealing with the details and, uh, and consequences of such says the Mishnah Zaken Mamre as Rashi told us in the first Mishnah the word Mamre milashon mem- mamrim Le- lehamrot, means to rebel so here is the rebellious elder um, what's the Halakha in such, such as Alpi Betin he's going against Betin uh, so what, what is the Halakha uh, so that's the Pasuk and the Torah is describing he's doing it against Mishpat Yipale, the Lashon that we're picking up on over here already, is something interesting because the Pasuk is describing this way. Yipale, Yipale means it's wondrous. Okay, so we'll have to pick up on that like Pele. Alright, so that's what we're dealing with, and that's the Pasuk. Shelo <laughs> hayushan. As the Zaken Mamre, who's disagreeing with his court, goes to Yerushalayim, they'll encounter, as I mentioned, three different courts. Ehad Yosheval Petah Harabait. One is at the eastern entrance, Rashi explains, to Harabait, the where the place where the Makdash was, so betin of 23. They had Yosheval Petah Ha'azara. And then as you enter inward more, past the Izrat Nashim. As you move forward, there was another Beit Din over there. You had lots of judges at Makoma Mikdash, which of course is very telling. It means that Mikdash is not only a place in in the general sense of worship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through ritual, but it was furthermore worship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through justice, through righteousness. That's what you had at the Mikdash. You sacrificed, but you furthermore got together as a nation and furthermore brought forth justice to the people. All needed to be in the local, in the focal and local, uh, and, and, and major location. Anyway, that's what they had, and the third one, and that's what we call Betin Hagadol, was in a place called Lishkata Gazit. Lishkata Gazit was half in the Azara, half, half in the Kodesh, and half outside of it. Okay, what would happen in such a situation? Again, there's a matter which is disputed, and you're going there, it sounds like. Initially you encounter and you pass through or you uh, walk into the first Beit Din. The Omer Kahtarashti and the Zaken Mamre together with his, the Beit Din from his uh, city uh, and it needs to explain what happened. He says, this is what I explained. This is how I interpreted the Torah. This is my interpretation, my teaching and this is alternatively theirs. Im If the first Beit Din had a tradition on this, they had heard the Halakha in such a circumstance already. Amar lahim, they tell him, All right, you're wrong, go go back or you're right and go back. If not, what if the first court doesn't know how to handle this? You make your way into the next court. The same type of uh, sequence of events, the same uh, procedure. You turn to them and you say to them, this is what, not you, this is what I interpreted, this is how they disagreed with me. This is how I taught and extrapolated this law. This is how they did it. So again, if that betin is now able to handle this amar lahum, they would say together to to this individual and to his batin, this is the halakha veem love eluva elubain the betdin ha gado, shublishkata gazit if not they move into the final location, the Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin of seventy-one. Shemimenu, it's from that final court again, half in Kodesh, half, half outside. Yoseh Torah lechol Israel. Our understanding is that Torah emanates from Lishkat Gazit to all of Israel. Shene min asheiv Adonai. cites a pasuk in the Torah. You go up to the place which is chosen by God which of course is Makoma ha-Mikdash. Hazar Le'Iro, he got now from the Lishkata Gazit, from the Sanhedrin, from Beit Din HaGadol, the decree that he's wrong. So Scott, close your mouth, go back and accept the ruling of us, of your local Beit Din. But he goes back to his city, Shana V'limed and he said uh, He goes back and he continues teaching the way he had initially understood it, Patur. In such a circumstance, we won't. We might punish him. We might try to rebuke him and change his ways, but we won't put him to death because he hasn't instructed how to act. What he has done is he's taught. He taught... What's that? He's doing the same thing, but instead of instructing how to do, he's telling people, here's how I understand it. So you came and you asked him, or he's giving a class, and this is a theoretical conversation. Here's how I understand it not telling people, and you should therefore do this. Such a circumstance, he's doing the wrong thing, You're maybe teaching the wrong matter, but patur is not going to get killed. Alternatively, in contrast, he tells people, this is what you should be doing. And it's again, it's against that which Din HaGadol had decreed and decided. Hayav. In such a circumstance and specifically under uh, uh, such a s such a uh, in that situation, he is Hayav Mita Henek Shine Imam, Vhaisha Shay Yase Bezadon, Pasuk says Vaisha She It doesn't say Vahisha Sheil Mad, Vahisha She Yidrosh, it says the word Yase means he'll do, either he does on his own or he tells others to do and same. Same, if he himself uh, acts uh, accordingly, he's hayav mita as well. Okay, that's the halakha. Last issue, again, as I started us, why is it called zakin mamre? What's with the yippale? Talmid shehorah la'asot. What if it's a talmid? It's a budding and aspiring scholar who would, ultimately speaking, be more halacha, but he's not yet there. We'll discuss what that means in a second. Patur, he's patur from mitah, even though he's instructing others, but that wasn't your position. You weren't, to a certain extent, permitted to be instructing others. We therefore won't give you the status of zaken mamre. The Gemara will be Doresh, this from that Pasuk, Yippale, Yippale makes it sound like we're dealing with someone who, so to speak, wanders, he's on a higher level than others. And as a result, he's already, is what we refer to it. This individual, he's a student. I, it's teaching wrong. He's rebellious. He shouldn't be doing so. He doesn't get death penalty. Nimtza concludes the Mishnah. His severity, the severity that upon him, he's not allowed to be instructing what to do Yet. Well, that's his kula, that's his leniency as well. As a result, if he did so in the wrong way, he doesn't get death penalty. It's an ironic consequence. You shouldn't have been teaching. Since you were in that position and you did teach, in other words, instruct what to do, we can't and won't be putting you to death. What does it mean that he's lohi higiya veho first and foremost, it might just simply mean, and it certainly does, he hasn't yet studied appropriately, he hasn't finished his courses, he hasn't trained appropriately, no question. Beyond that... I uh-huh. That in other words, Nathan now explains why why, why gives us the underpinnings, the ta'am davar. So why are you not going to put them to death? Because we assume maybe people aren't following. What if they are? Still, so the Torah is telling us this is the halakha. What alternatively? That's right. Now that's got that's, that very logically is the underpinnings over here. Alternatively, not alternatively, along the same lines, but beyond that, Rashi quotes from a Gemara in Sotan Sotah and Daf Kaf He says we're talking about a person who's below the age. Of 40, the Gemara Masech sultan daf Kaf as a derasha and as an understanding. Below the age of 40, you're not higiat lehora yet, You're not supposed to be instructing people what to do. That's uh, not looking too good for me. Uh, just be honest. Oh, well, maybe it is. I won't be zaken mamre, but maybe I should never instruct any uh, any any action. So that what happened in later generations after Gemara time period is that many of the, even Rishonim and certainly early Aharonim, that's rabbis from medieval period and then early modern period, uh, what they pointed out, Maharashtam and the Hamishneh many others, I talked about this in a different class, in a different context, what they pointed out is that that law with regards to age limit, with regards to appropriateness of instructing without, so to speak, that full education and experience was a reality during a time during which we didn't have written works in the same way that we do today. Today, if the person is instructing based on their knowledge of what was written before them, but again, in such a, in such a, was well, he's Bil Azab and Azaiah the Rosh Yeshiva Bil Azab and is not more Halacha. Over here, we're talking about Horaa, and as a result. And as a result, the, the distinction goes as, quite simply as follows. If a person is instructing today, it's because they have books that told them how to instruct and what the halakha and in such a circumstance. Once upon a time where that was all oral tradition, where you needed the experience in the real time uh, with the shimush of talmideh Hakamim and so on and so forth. So then you said, before you got that fully, at the age of 40, it was inappropriate. That's why we generally speaking distinguish in that respect. There was, however, a famous decree in the city of Prague. It had specific context and, and, uh, and circumstances that, that inspired it. but there's a famous decree it's recorded in more than one place. Then the time of Nodambi in the time of, of Biiskellanda, who was the uh, chief rabbi of Prague. Some 300 or so years ago, uh, he had a decree that you know there were all these books coming out. That's what he was. In, that's what they were perturbed specifically about. And they're teaching halacha. We're making a decree that if the author is under the age of 40, no one should buy their books. Nobody should publish their books. I don't really know what ended up happening. My guess is they made more money on those books and more people bought them, unless I mean, that's just the way those things always work. But that's that's with regards to that side point of 40 years old for hora'a. But that's our Mishnah. So the Mishnah says if he's just a Talmid, and that's why we refer to him as a Zaken Mamre, he's not Higia al Zaken, the Gemara in Kiddushin describes Zaken um, is a description of En Zaken El Amishkanah So when we talk about him, when I'm not talking about him being old per se, although Rashi is, if you consider or 40 old is giving you a little bit of, a t- of an age uh, description over here it's more in terms of their knowledge it's more in terms of their experience All right, it says the Gemara a beraitah, the beraitah will bring forth A one or two of the halachot that we saw in our Mishnah and B and more specifically and maybe importantly it'll describe what sorts of laws are we talking about any law that the uh, zakin mamre disagrees with are there particulars can you give me a description can you read the pisukim together with me so here we go Tanura banana a Ki davar. The Pesukim begin this whole passage. I think Pesuk Ha'et over there. And ki mimecha, When the matter is high up. When the matter is wondrous. We look in turn at this Zaken Mamre. And we say it needs to be a person who is high up. Bamufle. Or bamufla she It needs to be an individual in the words of Rashi. He's already knowledgeable for court proceedings. He's already a dayan or a person who could be bidayanut. He's a person who could be more halacha Medaber. Okay, those are the first words in the pasuk. And then the pasuk says mimmecha. Uh, so we're going to be Doresh pretty much every word in these Pesukim, So ki pale mimmecha. Mimmecha literally means from you. We're gonna have a derasha on that. Ze That's a reference to yoreitz. What's yoreitz? Rashi already helps us with this. it's is a matter of iburshana in terms of deciding the extra month. For a year. The Gemara elsewhere, Masichit Kitubot and which Rashi is really citing over here, has that the word Sod are words that you would use by the matter of determining the extra month to the year. What if this individual is disagreeing on that sort of issue? You know, you may have imagined we're only dealing with life or death situations. What if it's on whether there's an extra month? That's a pretty significant thing. But that's what he's disagreeing with, and that word Yoritz is, is, is denoting for us that issue. Okay, how do you know uh, that it's denoting that issue? So now she quotes the Gemara in Our Gemara helps us a little bit more, but ultimately speaking, even if it's on an issue of that sort, the Chenu And similarly, you have a pasuk which uses a word similar to Mimmecha and Yoetz, which we associate Yoetz means means advice. We associate that with Iburshana. Pasuk says Mimmech Yasa Hosheva Aladunai. So you have mention of mimecha and you have yo'et. We associate mimecha with yo'et, with ibur So second reference here in the pasuk is we're not only dealing with a person who's a mufla, who's a mimeche betin, but furthermore he has a dispute on a matter such as Iburshana. Furthermore, davar, so it says, ki yipale mimecha davar. If the matter, the issue, the word, Oh, however, you're defining that word davar is, uh, is 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 disputed. What's that a reference to? Zoh halacha uh, says says the Gemara. That's a reference to halacha. Uh, she says halacha le Moshe mi Sinai. What do you mean halacha le Moshe Sinai? It's a matter which is only verbal in terms of our adherence to it. Halachal Moshe Sinai are the laws that we don't have recorded in the Torah, but we accept them based on verbal and oral transmission as binding from Torah at Sinai, given to Moshe from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So davar then, the reference to the matter, the word in the Pasuk is something that's talui, that's dependent upon your speech. Halachal Moshe Misinai, if he disagrees with Halachal Moshe Misinai, there are a whole slew of many Halacha He disagrees with one of those. LaMishpat, the next word in the Pasuk. So he disagrees. We mentioned ibur. We mentioned Halacha LaMishpat. Ze hadin. That's a reference to Din. Nadin might be a reference over here to a judgment case Now we'll explicitly mention later in the pasuk Bendin Nadin Says Rashi it's a reference instead to Adderasha which we have based on tradition From Gezerah Shava. If there's a tradition that you link a word here To a word there in the Torah And this individual This Zakin Mamre disagrees with it bring him to the high court and so forth and judge him accordingly. Ben dam dam. Then the pasuk says, okay, again, ki pale mimecha davar. Ben dam Between blood and blood. What's that referring to? Again, we're describing the person who's disputing a case and I don't just say he disagrees. So I can see lots of details. He disagrees between blood and blood. What's between blood and blood? Ben dam nida. Dam Damziva, he disagrees on the status and stature and laws and intricacies with regards to any of the blood issues that we have in everyday life. What are those? Damnida, if it's a woman whose menstrual blood is disputed from this is akin mamre or the status of it dam leda, the blood after birth and has specific statuses and uh, with regards to tuma dam ziva is with reference to when a woman has blood or has discharge at a separate stage after the during the 11 day period um, irrespective of the details that's the type of disagreement he might have then the pasuk says furthermore again ki pale mim davar, ben dam le dam ben din le What's bending the between this judgment and that judgment? Bending uh, Whether it's an issue of uh, he disagrees with the law with regards to a death penalty, disagrees with the law with regards to a financial monetary issue, or a law with regards to lashes, the person had a pro, uh, violated a prohibition. Benega lenega. Then the pasuk says, furthermore, between the matter of a, uh, a nega and a nega, what's that? Or some affliction to another affliction. What's that referring to? ben adam, whether it's dealing with sarat, which grew on a person, he disagrees, he disputes it, the zakin mamre. Nige'ib batim, if it's saraat, leprosy, which grows on the walls of a home. Nige'ib begadim, if it's on the clothing. Any of those situations, any of the aforementioned, anything we mentioned until now, zakin mamre, that's the situation divre, the next word in the pasuk is, divre, not davar any longer, but divre, elu, these are matters which are dependent upon speech in the plural. How so? it's different situations where a person will sanctify or take their uh, objects and dedicate them to another. Heder means I'm taking them out of my possession in some way. Hikdesh is a circumstance where I'm sanctifying it to the mikdash in one way or another. Arachin means either I say about myself my value or the value of something else is upon me and I have to dedicate that money to the mikdash as well. Rivot is the next word in the pasuk. Fights, disputes, these are all situations where Zakin Mamre is disagreeing. What's rivot, what sort of issues? Again, we're just elucidating, we're going through, enumerating all the cases where Zakin Mamre would be considered so for any of these sorts of disputes where he goes against the tradition or, or, or against the, uh, the normative uh, this decision over here. Uh, rivot, zo? What's, what's disputes that he might disagree with? Situations of dispute. Hashka'at sota. If it's a circumstance where the woman is, uh, is is accused of her husband with regards to, in Parashat Naso, a long procedure Masechit Sota uh, of being promiscuous in her in, in, in involvement with another man. If he gets involved in that and disagrees, that's another zakin mamre potential situation. Arifat Aigla. Uh, Arufah is described in the Torah as well as a situation where a dead person is found outside of a city. The city closest to it needs to have a whole procedure of taking this eglah, a a specific animal, and and breaking its neck next to the river and so forth. There's a whole procedure. And he disagrees about something with regards to that taharat. Why is that rivot? Well, that's a fight. How'd the person die? Taharat mesora. He disagrees with the way of purifying someone who has sarat. Why is that a riv? Why is that divreri? Explains Rashi, we assume Sarat at its core comes from interpersonal mistakes, blemishes. You had Lashon Haras, and mentions Rashi. That's a He disagrees on how to purify. Then the Pasuk says, These matters arrive in your gates. What's in your gates a reference to in the Pasuk? The Pasuk, with regards to um, presents and, and, and donations you give to poor people, uses as well the word She'arecha and in over here it's a reference to Leket Peah Those are circumstances where out in the field if I dropped something if I forgot something I have to furthermore Peah leave a portion of my field for poor people if the zakin Mamre disputes the laws in these Vekamta the Pasuk says you have to get up okay now we dealt with all the types of cases that might determine this to be a zakin Mamre Vekamta get up bring this person Mi betin explains the Gemara. You're standing up from the betin that you were residing, you were involved in vealita and get up and rise up. And what does the pasuk in the Torah say? Up to hamakom ashev haradonah milamed shebet mikdash gavur meiritz israel. Now the fact that the pasuk says, and you'll go up teaches us that the mikdash, where you're going to, is up. It means it's up well, as compared to any place you were in, outside of it, in Eretz Yisrael. Furthermore, and this is not a derasha from this pasuk per se, as the Gemara explains, the Yisrael gavo arasot, and you should know, furthermore, Eretz Yisrael is more elevated, it sounds like physically they understand, certainly spiritually, it sounds like they're assuming even physically, but we can assume, at the very least, their vision is with regards to spiritual status, hundred percent. El eretz Israel above all else. El Lastly, it says, and you'll go to the place. You understand from this that the place lishkata <laughs> is fundamental for zaken mamre. Meaning, if the Sanhedrin, as it sometimes happened, is not in lishkata <laughs> it's not in the place in the mikdash where they're supposed to be. There were times of exile, times of persecution, and there's a zaken mamre. Lucky him. Even though he disputed, even though they went through all these procedures, ultimately speaking, since the Sanhedrin is not in its place, he's not put to death. Amen.